Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I am your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage here in the Madison area. I'm here today with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchie of the Fox Valley Throws, Kimberly Papermakers. Coach, what's going on? Hey, super excited for another episode, Brian. We just got done with the Olympics, you know, on track and field and all the other sports and USA men's basketball just went in and so many awesome opportunities, or I should say performances by athletes out there in all countries. And second, then we got fall football starting. So really getting the itch. I see Badgers are starting their camp and we just yep. had a guest on Logan Bruss, who's one of the best um, offensive linemen to come back in the conference, big conference, and uh, just super excited to get start watching some football on Saturdays and Sundays here. Family night over at Green Bay Packers. Oh boy. Also, oh today. boy. So, uh, you know, it's very exciting when you when you're only 20 minutes uh, south of uh, Lambeau Field up here. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more people in the stands on number 12's back. You know, they when people want to watch him throw and. Hopefully we can keep him around for a little while, more than just one year. I think Packer fans alike, you know, are hoping for that. Um, you touched on the Olympics, Dean, and man, the Olympics never disappoints, right? They, there's so many storylines and, and we can go into so many of them um, that, that have gone on in just this Olympics. But the one, you know, there's a couple that we want to touch on. The first one, for me personally, I've, I've always loved watching USA basketball play and, and just, you know, when they switched and let the NBA players play in 92, when they had the first dream team, that was so, so exciting now, um, you know, because it was the first time and you had Jordan and Bird and Magic and, and things like that. And, um, you know, they just dominated. But obviously now everything's starting to level out a little bit. And I think you and I talked about this a little bit. We actually talked about a little bit this morning about all-star teams. And the fact that bringing a bunch of people together just because you have the most talented team doesn't mean you always win. And you guys see that at Kimberly, you know, there's no doubt about that is forming cohesion. And we even saw that that with this year's USA team, they lost to France on their first game. They lost a couple of the preliminary games before they even went over the Olympics. But now these guys start to gel a little bit. They start to learn how to play with each other and, you know, they walk away with a gold medal. And so that, that to me is, it's very fun because in the day of age of, of these all-star teams and, and, you know, guys going to play with who they want to play with and their friends and, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. I, you know, I, my personal view is I grew up in the day where, you know, when you drafted every now and then you signed a free agent you kind of built the team from within, but that's the kind of day and age we're in. It was just really, for me, from the USA basketball thing, it was great to see these guys come together and, and win a gold medal. Yeah, that was really exciting to see. You know, USA basketball has been so dominant and almost expected to win, you know, when the Olympics are here and everything like that. But, you know, uh, we see it in college sports all the time or high school sports as well at all different types of levels. But, you know, Alabama is a great example with Nick Saban, you know, just because you can recruit great talent doesn't mean your team's going to be successful. And we see that happen all the time. And um, it, it's, it's awesome. You know, you were at Wisconsin, you're not getting, you're not the top five recruiting class in the nation all those years when you were there. 
And then you got to train them and you got to build them and you got to get kids to believe and really work together. And I think that's one of the most fun things about coaching is getting kids to work together for one purpose. And that's to be able to perform at your best, whether it's a Saturday college game or a Sunday NFL game or whatever. And I think for our coaches too, is, you know, a great message is getting the right kids, right players on the bus, making sure, you know, they're on it, but also making sure they're in the right seats. You know, you can have the greatest talent, but if they don't have the right roles and defined roles, they're not going to be successful. And so I think one of those things, and, and you brought up Nick Saban that he takes a lot of pride in is, yeah, they do a great job recruiting every year. They have the top five recruiting classes, but they find and they define roles for guys right away. And we've talked about that before. And coaches, that's your job. That's your job. You have to define an athlete's role. Let him know. Make sure he's secure in his role. Make sure that he does his job the best he can. Athletes, when a coach tells you what your role is, you have to accept that. Because if you're a part of a team, that's what the coaching staff feels is your best opportunity to help the team and the program grow. That doesn't mean if you're a sophomore that your role is going to be that way for the next three years. But as you grow in your role, all right, more opportunities come. And so that, you know, that's a great situation to, to kind of follow and, and watch different programs. I think it's fun for me as a college football, college football, former coach to watch some guys that play as freshmen and, you know, watch them go down and kick cover or whatever. And then all of a sudden, two years later, they're the starting receiver and they're going for a thousand yards. Coach Ebel hit on that as well, even from a recruiting standpoint, which I thought was uh, very interesting in that a lot of times, you know, in track and field, if you can throw, for example, so far, now you're at that level. Or we talked about the football situation where you might have a criteria for height or body weight or how fast you are, all that kind of stuff. But I think what parents and other athletes just don't quite understand is, you know, are you a good fit for that place as well? Are you going to fit into their culture? Are you going to be a thrower in that throwing group and make that throwing group better? Them are, those, all those points Coach Ebel said, I think were very important when it comes to the recruiting process. It's not just that simple of, hey, I throw this far and, you know, I can go and throw at Auburn University or I can do this and play at Wisconsin for football. But nowadays, coaches are really looking for, hey, this is a certain way I coach. This is a certain group and a culture that we have. Is this person going to make our culture better or make our group better? And that is very important as well. And I think uh, that recruiting has turned to that a lot more. And even in high school and, and things like that, you want to find people that want to gel. Because if they can gel on and off, you know, off the field, there's a good chance they're going to gel on the field. And I think there's a big, big misconception nowadays that everybody has to like each other. You know, we're in this day and age at a, you know, so-and-so doesn't like me. I can't play with them. I can't, that, that doesn't need to happen. You know, there are guys that when I played in high school and when I played in college, um, I don't have the, had the best relationships with them, you know, as far as off the field, but when you stepped on the field, there's a genuine respect for each other because you're putting in the work. And, 
you have to, as an athlete, you have to respect other people that are working, that are putting time in in the offseason, that are in the weight room. So that there's genuine respect that needs to be given and gained there. Um, but again, you don't have to like each other. And I think, you know, we're still, in, like I said, we're in that day and age where, oh my gosh, if, you know, little Johnny doesn't, doesn't like my son, they can't play in the same team together. Or, you know, I'm not going to, we deal with this with our baseball program sometimes, but who's on the team? That's, that's our job to pick the team. We're going to pick the team of the best players that we have. Um, this isn't, you know, everybody plays with their friend anymore, you know, and that's, you know, that's in youth sports, that's in little league and, and, and younger kids, you know, yeah, you want to play T-ball and, and coach pitch when you're seven and eight with all the people that live around you. But as you start to get older now, it's competitive and the best people play, you know, and the best people play. And so hopefully we can, you know, we hopefully we shed a little light on that because sharing that respect for people who are putting in time is is very important and again that goes back to preparation right if you're watching guys prepare and you see that they're ready to go then that genuine respect will be there and that confidence you know and uh one of our other guests logan bruss talked about how important preparation was you know and and being from wisconsin and, and working at wisconsin the amount of preparation that goes into a, a game a week you know, a, a Saturday game is unmeasurable. You know, our, our fan base, our, our listeners would have no clue how much really goes into how much these kids and these coaches have to prepare just for one game, just for one game. And it really doesn't matter the level of opponent. And so if I'm a player and I see another guy preparing next to him, I have that confidence in me, in him, sorry. Um, so preparation is, is very important. Yeah, you know, take that one step further, Brian. Look at the Olympics. You always know, see the Twitter post of Usain Bolt. You know, I've I've trained for four years just to run this little short race. And I have to be prepared and ready to go. And you have to put so much time in. Ryan Krauser just won the Olympic shot put. And he took first, he won gold in Joe Kovacs. Another American took second and, and took um, he took home the silver. And we've seen situations on social media where Ryan Krauser, you look at this guy, he's six foot seven, 315 pounds, you know, bench press is 225 pounds, 50 times squats over 700 pounds and runs a 4.840 meter dash. So these guys are incredible athletes and just think you just, you're not born with that kind of strength and that power. And then to be able to throw and learn the technique and be able to do that in a seven foot ring is really incredible. And Joe Kovacs, they had him squatting 705 pounds for 10 times on social media. And his wife, Ashley Kovacs, who was his coach, his coach yeah. was, was spotting. And uh, it, it's just incredible the, the effort that these people put in. I remember seeing during the pandemic with the COVID, you know, a lot of people couldn't go to gyms because they were shut down. And Ryan Krauser's throwing in a park. And he's just making it work. So he, he's making his own shot put ring. So just Googling it, going to Home Depot, making it. And if it's important enough, we always tell the kids they'll find a way. And one thing what happened with the pandemic is I think there was so much more training time because, you know, they didn't have seasons that people physically prepared their body and 
mentally prepared their mind. And I think that's why we're seeing all these great performances. And you touched on that, Dean. I mean, we hear it from a lot of athletes, you know, and everybody wants the, the pretty facility to be in. You know, you see it with volleyball that they have to have this incredible court to practice on. You know, AAU, if they're not in the best gyms practicing, we get it from a baseball standpoint. Okay, I want to go play at the place that's got the 55,000 square foot facility. Look, the best thrower in the world was at a park, made his own shot put ring. If it is important enough to you, you will find a way. It's, it's, it's that simple. Um, we have kids in our baseball program, and I know some baseball kids, they've gotten better. They were in a gymnasium, in a, in a, in a um, middle school gymnasium, doing ground ball work, doing footwork stuff. Kids going, some kids are going to play Division I baseball. Just by doing that, they didn't need this huge facility, okay? They just needed the right stuff at the right time to develop. And the second part that I really want to hammer on, and this is hopefully for all of our parents out there that are listening, is, is you're talking about two guys that are 300-plus pounds that can run with most high school wide receivers in a 40-yard dash. So if you don't and, – and bench 700 pounds or bench however 700, squat 700, but, you know, however much that is – if you don't th think strength helps your performance, you are misguided. All right. All the, you know, skill work and all that stuff. If you don't get your kids stronger, they will get beat at some point because at some point they're going to come up against someone that's got the same skill level as them, but they're going to be more developed in performance. And we hear this so much. I don't want my kid to get bulky. I don't want my, oh. that Krauser guy. I mean, he was pretty long. He's six, seven, like you said, pretty lean. He's incredibly strong. And I can't remember what's the silver medalist name, Dean. Joe Kovacs. Joe Kovac. I mean, he's a big yoked up guy, right? And in everybody's probably mentality. Oh, he's too big. He's too bulky. Those guys got the mobility of a gymnast. I mean, they got incredible mobility. Um, their power production, because of their strength, they're not gaining a lot more power just by doing a bunch of jumps and a bunch of stuff like that. They are God strong, ridiculously strong, and that allows them to perform at the highest level. If coaches, parents, athletes, you have to focus on getting stronger. It will help every aspect of your life. Yeah, I think that's, Brian, one of the biggest things that has always uh, been a disappointment as far as being a high school strength and conditioning coach is individuals have to, athletes have to lift weights and it has to be all year round and it has to be consistent. We talk about consistency being the, the king, but so many coaches are so into the scheme and the X's and O's and all that. And I've been part of a lot of um, championship high school teams in football and track. And I will tell you that you have to have great athletes to win championships. I don't care if they're conference championships, obviously at the state level, you have to have some horses in the stable. You have to have great athletes. And, you know, when you have great athletes, 
now you can do many more things from a schematic standpoint because great athletes can make up for other situations that maybe the, just the average athlete cannot do. And many times, you know, you hear people say, boy, that kid's really, you know, he's really fast on the field. Yeah, he's fast on the field because he has the horsepower to be fast on the field. And you have to continually work out. We got in season right now coming up for football and for volleyball and everything. And so many times a kid works extremely hard in the summer and they build their bodies up and then boom, now all of a sudden that individual is not doing anything during the season. And as you know, that your chance of injury goes through the roof when that happens. And for football, for example, a lot of kids will lose weight during the season because it's such a long season. I've been lucky enough to be part of 14 game seasons, you know, for, for several years, there are five years in a row and 14 games is a lot for a high school athlete. And I remember my son's senior year and football started and there was a heat index of over 110 degrees. And as we know, when you're on that turf, if it's 90 degrees out, it's a lot hotter when that sun is beating on, on that turf. And at the end of the year, that year we were practicing for state, I believe it was in 2014 and it was 20 below zero. And we only had the kids out there for a half hour and we had to come in because that was with the windshield. It was 20. So think of that. When you think of football, how long that season, it's going to end at, you know, could end at the end of November and look at the temperature change between the beginning of football and the end of football. And you have to make sure kids are hydrating all year and they have to be able to keep weight on. You heard Logan Bruss talk about, you know, keeping that weight on. I think if you're an athlete, you got to hold yourself accountable. You got to be on that scale during the whole year. So many times I've seen a linebacker come in, say he's 190 pounds, and then week eight in the season, you ask him, hey, boy, it looks like you're losing some weight. You're not eating enough. Um, you know, it's difficult to eat. You know, practices are longer right now. School has started, and all of a sudden they're down 15 pounds. And they worked so hard to get to that 190, and now they're sitting at 175. And I think that is the hardest thing that then coaches are battling. And then athletes, you got to, you know, take the onus on yourself and hold yourself accountable and make sure you're getting those calories in and you're keeping that weight on. So you lessen the chance of injury and increase your athletic performance. Well, a couple of things on that too, Dean, and it's probably late for our fall sports athletes to, to, to use this. One of the things that I always used to tell my guys at Wisconsin was whatever your goal weight was going into the season, we needed you to hit that goal weight by July 1st. So you had a month to train at that weight. So your body is used to holding that weight. Okay. Most kids will have a goal weight, like let's say that 190 again, and they'll continually work and work and work. And the, the week before camp, they hit 190. Well, that's the first time their body's held that weight. Okay. And then all of a sudden, like you said, you're in practice and you're doing all that other stuff. And that's where we see kids lose that weight because they're not used to holding it and, and utilizing it. The second thing, and this is pretty prevalent with a lot of sports, is the nutrition is really pushed during the season. 
as far as maintaining weight. We want to maintain weight, stuff like that. But it goes back to strength training. You have to strength train in season two to three times a week, minimum, minimum, in order to keep lean body mass because it doesn't do any good to go into the season at 190 pounds and 10% body fat and leave the season 190 pounds and 16% body fat because maintaining that lean muscle mass is so critical to your body's level of performance. And we see it a lot with, with coaches that, that fear of, I don't want my kids to get sore and their legs are tired and all this other stuff. Well, if you have a well-constructed strength program and you're in season, you're probably going to do some type of, you know, squat or bench or, or some type of main lift. All right. And coaches, you need to hear this, that volume in that exercise needs to be low. Okay. And the intensity needs to be high, whether it's speed work or max effort work. All right. In order to keep, cause again, goal is to maintain or gain strength during the season. So they still have to push heavy loads. Okay. That's undeniable. You can't get stronger by pushing submaximal loads. All right. Then you also have to look at the volume of practice as to what you're going to do with your kids. You can't have what you're doing in the weight room take priority over their energy that they need for practice. However, coaches in sports, performance coaches, you have to talk on a, whether it's a daily basis or a weekly basis. So the performance coach knows the volume of work in practice so they can design the proper program, strength program progressions that you have in season in the weight room. Similarly, performance coaches, you have to talk to your, your sport coaches on what you're seeing. If you're seeing kids that are fatigued and maybe coaches, and, and again, there's some coaches that like to condition and practice, some coaches that don't like to condition and practice. If you're doing a lot of conditioning and practice and these kids are coming to the weight room, and we do have a very simple thing that we do at our schools. We do a vertical jump. We test their vertical jump on a jump mat. Very simple to look at if the kid's legs are, are, are tired and if their CNS is, is down. And so that communication is so important. And the last thing I'll touch on, Dean, is that if you take, you know, even in camp with football, you have to lift during this time where the kids are practicing hard. Even if they're just in doing something, you take two to three weeks off. Okay, yes, then the kids are going to get sore. If the kids don't stop training, in, the, in similar fashion to the way they've been training. So in other words, whatever you're doing in the summer, and we've, we talked about this this week, Dean, whatever you're doing in the summer, make sure you put that in your in-season program. The worst thing you can do as a performance coach is look on YouTube and see some crazy exercise that looks cool, and we're going to throw it in the in-season. So all of a sudden, the kids got more stress to deal with, and they're trying to learn an exercise, and holy, oh my God, we only got 30 minutes to get a lift in, and I got to figure out the technique. You know, they shouldn't have to worry about that. Any exercise you program in the in-season should be something you've done before that your kids can walk in. They know exactly what the verbiage is, how they do it, and things like that. You know, when we talked, uh, Logan, Russ talked about preparation a lot. You know, I think the biggest, the hardest thing that we see as, or I see as a strength and conditioning coach is you have to make sure that they're preparing and you are communicating with your sport coach, like you said. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, a lot of people say, well, just put an in-season program together for me. You know, the in-season program 
is going to be dictated on how the coach coaches and how they run programs, how they run their practice and how, and when they have their games and everything else. So there's no one size fits all when you talk about program. And then you have to know your kids. Like you said, if you're starting to throw some things at, Hey, they're doing this at Wisconsin, for example, and we're going to do the, <clears throat> the same in season that lifts that Wisconsin doing, but we weren't doing those at all. And they're new. We don't want to put all that stress on these kids because there's only so much gas in the gas tank. So it's very important. And I get that all the time. Hey coach, can you put a program together for me? I can, but it's not going to be good because the program has to fit your program and your sport and what your coaches know and what your athletes are currently doing. You just can't throw a bunch of stuff together and say, well, so-and-so Alabama's doing this, Wisconsin's doing this. And then you have to stick with it. And remember, like you said, it's not an off-season weight program, it's an in-season weight program. So those repetitions gotta be low, but the intensity's gotta be high. So many times high school coaches will say, well, we're going heavy in season. You know, that's gonna take a lot out of them. No, it's gonna do the opposite. It's gonna do the opposite, but everybody thinks, hey, you go light in season and you do a lot of reps. And that, a lot of repetition and all that volume, that's what gets kids sore. And then it, the kids don't have enough energy in the tank when they go to practice or in their game. Well, and, and they're getting volume at practice. So why would you give them volume in the weight room? You know, and, and you brought up a good point. Hey, the, the old thing with football, you know, back in the nineties and eighties is we're doing Nebraska's lifting program. We're doing, guess what? You know, and same thing with Alabama. Guess what? You don't have the athletes in your high school weight room that Alabama has in its weight room. And trust me, you're not doing their program based on if you watch Twitter, what Alabama's doing in the weight room, you ain't doing what they're doing. Okay. You need to do what, and every year it has to change. And you and I talk during the in season, you and I talk in the in-season about the changes that you make, and it's day-to-day. -day. You know, it's what you see. For three years when I had the offensive line at Wisconsin, our in-season program had the same philosophy, but the pro I looked at them about two weeks ago. The programs were completely different because you had to deal with injuries. You had to deal with different guy, different age levels. You know, the first year I had three or four seniors and then my third year, I had three or four sophomores, you know, that were starting and, and younger guys that were starting. So you had to change the stimulus based on so many variables. I'll tell you, Brian, we we got to hit next week. We got to hit on in-season training because I know we can talk so much more about this. And uh, why don't we just next week, let's hit all in-season training because what's happening and a lot of our listeners out there where hey, can you guys talk a lot about in-season training? And this would be perfect timing. So we can go on and on. That's got to be a podcast. Let's kind of get back on track because the sharpening the edge is is all about kind of our guests and going over some of that. So let's let's really get the in-season training and let's talk about okay, football started, volleyball is going to be starting here, tennis is going to be starting for high school sports. And Logan talked about that preparation. You know, more importantly. Are you getting mental reps? You know, we talk about physically getting reps, but a lot of times I, what I've seen as a football coach is, and so now the starters are out there, that first unit's out there, and now you're in the second unit or third unit, 
And what did Logan say when he had his opportunity? You have to be, when you're a backup, when he was younger at Wisconsin, he was always mentally preparing himself for that opportunity. Somebody goes down and he's the next guy in. Are you getting those mental reps? And that's difficult for athletes to do when you're not in that first group and you know that they're not counting on you right away for maybe, for example, for the first game this year, but you are one play from going, you know, into that game because of somebody before you get hurt. I see so many times athletes that say, oh, I'm not going to play. And all of a sudden they're thrown in and you have to be mentally prepared. I think too, what preparation does Dean is it, it gives you confidence going into the game. And there have been times where, you'll know when your kids are prepared and it also allows you in the game scenario to make a mistake. And, and this is something I know is huge in the Kimberly program, the term park it, right? The term park it, you made a mistake. Okay. You got to let it go because you can't make the same mistake twice in, in a row. You can't let the, you know, it's an old adage. You can't let the same team beat you two weeks in a row. All right. You have to be confident enough in your technique because of the type of preparation that you've done to make a mistake, line up the next play, you know, get ready for a serve the next time if you're a volleyball player, um, and, and be ready mentally the same way you were the rep before. And conversely, if you have not prepared at the level you should, that's when you get into problems because you make a mistake and you're not able to adjust. I think preparation also allows you to adjust. In-game adjustments are, we saw that with the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Talking about in-game adjustments, game-to-game adjustments. And when they finally figured out some of the stuff, that's when they won the NBA championship. Okay, but obviously the guys were prepared enough to make those adjustments. But if you're not preparing through the week, all right, the game becomes very mentally challenging as well as physically. The game's always going to be physically challenging. But if your preparation level is not at its highest, highest point, all right, that game starts to mentally wear on you. And if you're mentally starting to think about, oh, gosh, you know, we'll use Logan as an example. Oh, gosh, that guy beat me to the outside. Is he going to do it again? You can't really turn it loose. And if you're starting to think about what you're doing versus react, you know, sports and games are chaotic. They're reactive. If you can't react you know, just without having to think about it, you're going to be a step slow. You're going to get beat again. Then all of a sudden, holy smokes, this guy beat me three times on his drive. You know, you go right into the tank. You know, yeah, that park it situation is is very good because, you know, when I run the Fox Valley Throws Club, a lot of times a kid will have a, a good throw and there's a, so many good technical advancements that that athlete made, but then the, the feedback I'll get right away, but I did this wrong. And I think too many times we're always trying to dwell on what we did wrong and we should be celebrating a lot of those things that we are doing right. And I think that is really big. You have to be prepared. Remember when Coach Ebel was on, he talked about Ryan Whiting when he went to the world championships and he had three suitcases, he said. You know, he he, he had one, one suitcase for, for these clothes and one for his, you know, his um, – competition and he had a, a suitcase full of all food yep coffee maker going yeah. across country and he wanted to make sure hey, we wasn't gonna try these new foods we talk about new exercises and a weight room can give you stress well if your body's not used to a specific food 
now you might have an opportunity to get sick and you might not be able to perform as well as you know and all that so preparing i think is big and these athletes really have to prepare they have to prepare for every situation and that's the olympics was a great example what if it's pouring rain are you, did you prepare for that were you mentally there because something always in athletics is going to go wrong and you cannot simulate every type of situation but at least if visually coach Ebo talked about that visualization and how important that was and he actually has a routine that the athletes will do you know two hours before and one hour before in 30 minutes before they're ready to throw their routine he talked about on plane rides and bus rides but they all have a routine that they will do to try to get their body and their mind to perform at their best and I think from a preparation standpoint, you can't wait to prepare until you're a starter. You can't, you know, you're a freshman, even if you're a, you're a walk-on or, you know, you're a freshman in the high school scenario or a sophomore. I know in our area, we don't, we're not fortunate to have 350 kids out for football, like at Kimberly, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, we have scenarios where our JV kids have to give our varsity kids a look. And at the end of the day, you still have to prepare like you're taking a game rep when you're doing that, because that's only going to make you better. And I think the other thing that you have to realize as you move up levels, as you move up levels, okay, you're going to be asked to maybe do some of that work. You're going to maybe asked to be scout team, stuff like that. And being humble as you move up levels. And, and Logan talked about this too, as you go into college, it doesn't matter how many stars you had last year when you were getting recruited. Now you're at a, the next level. All right. You're coming into a, a meeting room or a new group of athletes that maybe you haven't experienced before. Guess what? As you move up levels, everybody gets better as well. Okay. Everybody is going to be better. And so when you move up and whether you go to college or whatever it is, and I've heard this with NFL guys, you got to be humble. You know, you have to be humble and you have to listen. I've heard this from, from a lot of my linemen, Dean, is they love it when rookies come and ask questions. And, and, then, and then not only take the question and the answer, but then start to utilize it. Okay, it's one thing to ask, you know, if I asked you a question, you told me something and I was like, oh, cool. But I'm just trying to kind of buddy up with you. It's really neat when younger players and when you're going into college, you know, look at the veterans, find out what they do to be successful. Maybe, you know, as you get into college, you know, alcohol is, is a prevalent thing. I talked to some of our guys. They're like, yeah, after games, I go home and I go to bed. Like I need to catch up on my sleep. Whereas, you know, you get in this college life and it's all exciting stuff like that. Figuring out the things that the older players do to be successful and then modeling it and figuring out how it works for you. Everybody was, if you're playing in college, there's a good chance everybody was a good youth football player that you're playing with. You know what I mean? Now, what are you going to do, okay, to start not only earning the trust of the, of the people that you're around now, but also to continue to get better? You know, those athletes that are humble make your program much better. And I see it in high school athletics as well. We always tell our best athletes in our program, okay, the better athlete you are, the more you should be a leader helping out the young, the people that are younger than you. 
And, and that's exactly what, what our Fox Valley Thrills Club. We'll have all state kids and they are there and they're humble and they're trying to get better continually. And they're, they're at a, a great level right now, but they're continually trying to tweak things and try to throw an object farther, whether it's a shot put or discus, but they're helping out those other kids. And I know when the Fox Valley Thrills Club, we always emphasize and I always put hashtag family because that's what that's all about. And for an athlete to look up to an older athlete that has had some success, for example, being an all-state player, being an all-state thrower makes uh, it is just awesome as far as your culture of your group and your team or your unit, for example, in football, maybe if it's an O-line group, D-line group, or whatever that may be. Well, and, and I can use it at sports advantage too. I mean, we have numerous professional athletes that come and train with us and we never have a scenario where they want to be looked at as different or better. I mean, these guys are making multi-million dollars a year and I can use Rob Havenstein as an example. And in between his sets, he's encouraging a 13-year-old kid who's learning how to box squat and he's teaching them things that he uses. He'll, I saw him put it, you know, talk to a kid and say, Hey, you know, this is something that I did, you know, and that's just, you know, being a good person, you can never go wrong being a good person and doing what's right. You can never go wrong with that. And it was even to the point where we had a family, we had two kids that bought Rob haven't seen t-shirts and, and because he was just a, a normal person, you know, he wasn't viewing himself as better. Now, when he was working, he didn't want to be, you know, it's time to work, right? And that was another message that he sent to the kids. Hey, you know, focus on what you're doing. You know, but we even had a family that there are two kids and one was a 13-year-old uh, young lady bought a Rob Havenstein t-shirt and she came walking into the gym and she was all proud of it. Rob kind of looked at her and he was like, man, I didn't even know they, they made those, you know? But, and then being humble when you're, you're at that level, the impression that you give and the lie, you have no idea the lives that you're affecting because these kids, um, they, they really respond to that. And it's just such a positive thing just to be that type of person and just be a really good person. You know, I want to share Brian and to all of our listeners, I, I told you already, but one of the, my, one of my coaching friends from a different school that said one of the best things about your our podcast that he really liked is how humble our guests are. And I know we try to hit that Wisconsin connection with our podcast. We'd like to have, you know, some kind of Wisconsin connection, but obviously, you know, um, getting those guests on, but how genuine they are, our guests and how humble they are. And um, that again, that trickles right down to the younger kids. And that makes such a big difference. I think sometimes the professional athletes are viewed as egomaniacs and, and, and they're just all about themselves. And we have definitely have seen a whole different light doing this Get Your Edge podcast and what they not only do as far as sharing great information, but what they do in their communities. And you see it all the time at Sports Advantage how they affect athletes that are right in your building. But the best part about that, Dean, they're some of the most competitive people that we know, right? Coach Jones is a very humble man, but 
<laughs> he is probably the, one of the most competitive coaches you or I have ever met. Alec Ingle, Kevin Zeitler, uh, Coach Polisek, you know, Brian Calhoun, AJ Klein. I mean, Alex Erickson. Hey, you know, I'm a good per- Joe, Joe Thomas, right? You put a set of pads and a helmet on Joe Thomas and holy smokes, get out of the way. You know what I mean? So that shows that hopefully high school kids, if you're listening to this, you don't have to be a prick. Okay. In real, in life. Okay. You step on the court between the lines, you know, on the ice, whatever, it's all business. You're playing to win. You're competing your tail off. But when you step off, you're a good person. You're, you're, you're positive in society. You're making a difference in people's lives. There's no reason why you can't be a great athlete and a great person at the same time. Right, Dean? Absolutely. And uh, to wrap this podcast up, because we were just, we could be talking for two hours here. The last thing I would like to bring up is Coach Ebel brought up is a lot about recruiting and what kids can do and how they can get going. And I think, you know, if you haven't listened to the podcast, that one, you want to go back if you're an athlete, because I don't care if you're a track athlete, uh, what sport that you play. He had lots of great information for high school kids that want to play at the collegiate level, whether it's D3, D2, or D1, on how you can show interest. I think one of the biggest things Coach Ebel said is, yeah, there's recruiting services out there. And not to say that they're all good or they're all bad, but just reaching out and emailing a coach and letting them know that you are interested in their school in the first place, probably because one, academically, you can make it there so you can get admitted. Two, that they probably have your major or whatever you want to go to college for. And three, that maybe it's a, it's a university that's out of state and you don't mind moving or going that far away to college. So right away then those college coaches understand, yeah, this, this person isn't oh, only looking at colleges in their state or whatever the situation. So it shows them right away and you can get on then their, their questionnaires and their website, and then you can put down, you know, your height and your weight and get all that information to these coaches. And then they can communicate with you, whether it's via text, via email, phone calls, again, depending on all the NCAA rules and what they can do during certain periods. And I thought that was a huge message because a lot of times I get kids that say, Hey, you know, what does it take to, to throw at this level? Or what does it take to play volleyball at this level, division one or basketball? What, what does it take? And we talk about preparation. You cannot just start preparing your senior year. It's too late most of the time then. And I see that happen a lot when high school freshmen always ask me the first day when I have them in the weight room, they say, hey, give me one tip. Give me one, you know, get your edge advice coach. I say, start acting like you only have a half a year left in your high school career. And there's a sense of urgency in it means if you mature quicker that, hey, you are you are taking all that serious as far as your hydration, your sleep, you're eating right, you're keeping your weight up during football season, you're not losing weight, you got your grades, all of this stuff, you're, you're getting prepared for the ACT score, you, you got 
you know, what you're looking for as far as going to school. Get all of your ducks in a row and get them in as soon as you can and start acting like a mature senior that wants to do that and understand then you have to communicate with your coach and it's probably going to take a lot more than you think to be able to get that. And that goes back to Brian Calhoun when he said he talks to a lot of his athletes and they don't quite get how hard that they have to work. And you look at some of these Olympians right now in these interviews and they are just emotionally spent after or when they're on the medal stand or when they get done or after their performance because of all that sense of urgency and preparation and effort, blood, sweat, and tears to be able to get, you know, and do what they have accomplished. Well, I think going back to the getting recruited portion of it, it's being a self-starter. And it's such a great life lesson uh, to be a self-starter. You know, you can wait and you can wait and hope that someone's going to recognize you. But at the end of the day, you have, if you want, if you want it bad enough, go get it. If you want it bad enough. And I know when I got hired at Wisconsin, I must've sent John Deppman like 20 resumes in two years while I was at North Dakota, because I wanted to work there. Okay. So, you know, final message here is you want something bad enough, go get it. You know, you may not be as talented as someone else, but if you want it bad enough, go get it. Find a way. We talked about throwers finding a way. We've talked about football guys finding a way, find a way to get it done. And athletes, regardless of your athleticism and your God-given ability, 100% effort and practice, whether you're holding a bag, whether, you know, you're doing a drill, whether you're helping, you know, your teammates, whatever you do, do it the best way you can do it. Because that is not only going to help you, it's going to help your teammates, but also it's going to it's going to help your whole team. And I don't know a coach that doesn't like an individual that's going hard all the time. You know, and that's, you know, some people say hey, lead by example, but if you're going hard, I think one of the reasons why a lot of teams, you know, they're saying, well, we're not going to condition, we won't condition you. We're not going to run gassers after practice or, or all these runs. But the expectation is when we're doing drills, we're going 100%. If we're doing a pursuit drill in football, we're going 100%. And if you can you truly focus and go 100% during a two-hour practice, that's tough to do. Right, right. Well, you know, we've hit on some pretty good topics today. And obviously, next podcast, all right, we really want to hammer on that in-season training. It's something you and I have talked about. We talk about it all the time. And coaches, it's something that we feel like we do really well and we have a good sense for. So we want to share a lot of our thoughts on that. Okay, so that's going to be the topic for our next podcast. Again, you know, there's no charge to, to listen to the podcast. We really appreciate, you know, if you really like some of the stuff we're sharing, you know, share it with some friends, share it with coaching friends, athletes, um, share it with your teammates, things like that. Because again, from the mental side of it, you know, everybody needs to get a little bit better as well. Dean with the Fox Valley Throws, you got your August sessions going right now. Um, those of you that are in that area, or even if you want to travel to see Coach Manson, he's he does it the best anywhere in our state. Sports Advantage, fall sports are in, in starting up right now. Uh, we have great in-season programs for our athletes, as well as preparation for your winter sports. All right, so this ends this episode of the Get Your Ed podcast. Very, very great episode, Dean. It was fun chatting about those two guys, Coach Ebel, 
Logan Bruss. Very excited to watch Logan um, play this year. Uh, hopefully he makes a run at the Outland Trophy. Um, so that's, you know, that we're going to be rooting for him. And uh, Makers got their, their scrimmage on Friday. Everybody's got football scrimmage at Friday. Volleyball starting. Man, a lot of excitement here. So we're going to get off and we'll see you next time. Chop it.